All right. Cool. Kurt, welcome to the studio corner. Yes. Good Thank to you for you having on. me. <laughs> so how are you? I'm great. Yeah. I love driving out to your home. It's beautiful out here. Santa Rosa Valley. Yes. Lots of property. Yes. This is your third podcast this week. Yes, it is. I had two on Monday and then you today, Wednesday. You're just a professional. <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but... Uh, well, like, you are a professional. I, I am what a you professional. Do. <laughs> so, your nickname is Kirky B. Kirky B. I've heard everybody I hang out with around you call you that. How did you get that? <laughs> I need to know. Um, well, it's kind of a twofold thing. When I was a baby, my grandmother couldn't say my name because, you know, she was from the Philippines. And she would always hold me. And well, this is as told by my mother because, you know, I was an infant. <laughs> but she'd always rub my cheek with her finger and go, kurki, 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 and it kind of stuck. Kirky. Fast forward when I started playing with Morris Day in the time. After I graduated Musicians Institute, I started working with Morris Day, and uh, and simultaneously right after with Morris, I was playing with Shalimar with Mickey Free, and I think they they just fell into it and started calling me Kirky B. Uh, and then Jeff Picaro got a hold of it and he started calling me Kirky B. So it was just this mishmash of all these people that. I don't know. It just stuck. It was just one of those things. I guess that's just that's my name in the sticking. universe, Kirky B. You know, I love that, Kirky B. But my name's Kurt C U R T, but I spell yeah. it with a K K I R K I R K W E B. Kirky B. Kirky B. Yeah, that's a good stage name. It's a good. I feel yeah, like it is. I don't know what it is about it, but like you think Kirky B, you hear he's a drummer, you know you're groovy. <laughs> you I know think you're so. groovy. Okay? <laughs> you know that guy grooves. <laughs> but it's funny though. It's, it is synonymous with that, and people just, oh Kirky B. You know, it's just known as oh he's a drummer you know yeah so so i am you said you went to mi music institute yes i went to mi in 84 and graduated two weeks early no three weeks early uh in 85 of september to start rehearsals and go on the road with morris day in the time so before so you went to high school and you went straight to mi after high school no i took a year off to save some money i worked at lucky's grocery store to work full-time and i Bag groceries and I got transferred to the produce department because I just wanted to save money so I could make um, tuition happen for yeah. MI and of course you know money to live in an apartment down in Hollywood which now is virtually impossible oh my god yeah yeah it's crazy <laughs> so did you always know you wanted to be a studio player like a session guy touring guy I knew I always wanted to be a drummer but being a studio guy was entering you yeah. know equally I knew it was something I wanted to do because I loved uh, the fact that there were so many different drummers playing on different records and the same drummers playing on the same records simultaneously, like, you know, various drummers on one guy's record. Um, And then, you know, going to see concerts as a kid in high school and seeing these drummers play live. And I thought, man, that's exactly what I want to do is play live and studio work and i would always you know back then it was vinyl so i was always looking at the um the credits on records and i would always see these names on there you know john robinson jeff Picaro, vinnie caliuda all these names and i thought man these guys always play on all the records yeah and then i read about the title of these guys it was called a studio drummer and i thought that's what i want to be so you never had a question of like you never wanted to be in a band that you know that was what you did. I'm the drummer of this band and we tour and we make records. You wanted to be more on just more diverse then. Yeah, I wanted to play all different styles of music and work with different artists. That was that was a dream of mine to, to be able to do that. So you never that whole like uh, fame and fortune band appeal wasn't wasn't for you then? No, not really because I I felt that I could achieve it by playing with a bunch of different people. Which you have. <laughs> I have and I have, you know. Knock, knock on, on wood. wood. But yeah, it's it's it's. I've had a fruitful career, and I'm so grateful for it. And yeah, it's just been so great to have, you know, said I've played with so and so and so and so and so and so. And it's like you know, you know, rather than being that one guy in that one band. Yeah. You know, I think that's pretty cool, especially in the '80s, to uh, to attend MI and music school and not 
not want the band, like not want the whole band thing, but to go for the studio work and go for the touring work. You know, I feel like back then it was all about who's going to be famous, what band's going to make it next, this and that. As you know, yeah. as it is now, but you know, studio work is much more widely accepted among young musicians today. That I feel like that it might have been back then. Yeah, sure, so sure, because everyone has, uh, you know, your laptop and your your studio computer on your desktop. So we all have that. And it's easy. You could record anywhere. You could sit in your backyard and record, yeah. you know, guitar and voice. You could be anywhere and uh, make a recording. So, yeah, now it's more accessible. But back then in the 80s, it was more um, conducive to a recording studio. Yeah. So do you, do you think studio musicians have uh, benefited over the years in their industry? Do you think like back then it was easier to get gigs and higher pay as opposed to now? <clears throat> Absolutely, because back then there were record labels, management, um, you know, a lot more promoters. So that that would that would generate music that needed to be recorded. Yeah, and then um, you know because there were so many solo artists, they would then have to call upon studio musicians to make their record. Because yeah. they didn't have a set band, you know, like well, yeah, like Barbara like, Streisand, for example, you know, did you she didn't have Barbara a set Streisand? band. No, not yet. She's not on the yet. bucket list, but uh, bucket list. But but that. a lot of my friends have, and 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 you know, through the years, the, the decades, they've been called to go play on her record, and you know, I mean, she's one of many. But you know, that was the thing was that uh, being a studio musician meant that you would get a call to play on any kind of record, rock, funk, R and B, soul. You know, disco, um, alt, alt rock, whatever. You know. Yeah. But now it's so it's so easy to do that anyone pretty much can just buy some plugins and have an instantaneous alt rock drummer. Yeah. Via, via some loops, you know. Or, and even if they did want a real studio drummer, they could just say, "Hey, I'm going to send you a track." You know, and like you said, everyone has their home studio. Just yeah. record the track and send it over. There's not really that connection. Right. See, maybe I'm old school that way because. Even when, I mean I I, I I mean I remember hiring you for you know way back in the day when I did that little EP demo thing yeah uh, with Carlos actually he was on here on Sunday yeah that's right I saw on that on, it was on a great podcast Instagram. good time yeah but uh, I remember and I I remember sitting there and being in your house and you were recording and I thought to myself like I totally understand the convenience of sending your tracks and having someone just record and send you some stuff back but there's something about being in the energy and the vibe and the livelihood of a track with the person that's playing it like connecting physically and being in that presence is so important to me because you know it's one thing to get, send an essay of what the mood is and what you think it should be it's another thing to be in the same room as someone and feel them and vibe a them you know? absolutely you know being being together that's what creates the magic and and I and I was just talking about this the other day with a friend of mine how you know I, I think social media is a great thing but we see so many uh, bedroom, I like to call bedroom musicians that are in their bedroom and they turn on their cameras and they're playing guitar, bass, drums, keyboards, whatever, singing, juggling, you know, what, yeah. what, whatever they do, but they're not doing it with anybody else. And it's very rare that you see um, these people doing doing a band situation. Yeah. And that's what I tell, you know, when I teach a master class, what I tell everyone that's coming up man play with as many musicians as possible learn how to jam. react and jam and be in a in a situation of multiple musicians and in a in an ensemble situation rather than by yourself uh, and collaboration th too yeah and collaborating and sharing and yeah because th that's what music is i mean if it i mean you know even prince as as amazing as he was it all started to sound the same you could tell it was all him playing everything which I personally love because I'm a big fan of Prince, but it it there's something about the collaborative effort of four or five people in the room. Yeah, and uh, when you have that, that's where magic is created, you know. And I feel like collaboration's a underrated concept too, because I feel like. Like when you hear collaboration, you think this person writes half the song, I write half the song. But I mean, collaboration could literally be as simple as I wrote this song and I want you to look at it and say, what about this melody? 
same right. lyric, same song. What if I throw some top of the, something on top of that? And it's like there's a there's a sense of resistance because it's our baby, it's our song. We don't want anyone touching right. it. It's what I you know I know best. But for something like music, the moment it's created, it's not yours anymore. It's right. the world. It's a physical vibration traveling through the right. world. And I just I don't understand like to collaborate with someone means to take a vision you have and make it twice as strong, twice right. as big, and this and right. that. And as epic and wonderful as that sounds it's really a skill to be learned and i'm still learning it sure collaboration sure. yeah and, and let's even throw that word out the window what about just getting together with some uh, with other musicians and just creating yeah creating music and who cares about who wrote what let's just make and create something that could be the greatest yeah you know with the people in the room i love that That's and then beautiful. figure it out <laughs> I, I agree with that completely you yeah. know jamming and the freedom of it and like i said there's a sense of freedom that has been almost starved with the what do you call them the bedroom musicians yeah musicians? i love that that's a good term yeah. i heard that well because you know if you look at most videos you know they're in their bedroom or living room or whatever yeah. and and they're filming themselves at high quality high def video and it's like all right well where's the drummer yeah get a drummer in there where's the bass player Where's the keyboard? It's like, why are you so important? Why do you why, you're, you're spending so much time trying to make a, an image so important? You forget yeah. that we want to hear music, right? Uh, do you know who Gary Vaynerchuk is? He's like a huge influencer, speaker, entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen yeah, him. He's on, a very aggressive guy. I love him. <laughs> I've I've seen him on social media. I was scrolling through his Instagram the other day, and he posted a video talking about Instagram, and he made a he made a point. He's like, imagine if Instagram and Facebook and all that stuff, like all social media, was shut down tomorrow, tomorrow morning. And they, it kind of went up, went about the the means of saying, if that was all shut down, who would you be in the world? Yeah. And I thought about that as a musician. I'm like, it's incredible because there are so many musicians and so many people with their shredding guitar licks and ripping drum solos and video after video with millions of followers. But all of a sudden that stops. It's like, who are you surrounded by? Are those musicians surrounding themselves with musicians? Are they still in a band writing music? Are they still going out there and playing shows on the right. street and clubs? No. And it's that's what I'm saying. It's so... It's it's almost like this this part of the industry that has to exist in order for, you know, music to be shared is almost completely gone because people are able to get the followers. And I I started reminding myself every day like, what if it all got shut down today? <clears throat> what if no one would hear this podcast? What if my music would could, would never make it on Spotify? What if no one ever followed me on Instagram? How would I do it? Like, pick up a guitar, go find some cats, musicians, and go find a club to play in and start there. Right. And that's that's really the essence of it for me. And I see less and less of it. I mean, because, I mean, I did the L.A. circuit, just an acoustic guitar, all those clubs, the right. crappy clubs, bad times, right. you know, L.A. traffic, no one showing right. up. Right. And then crowded bars with no one looking at you and just talking over you. Like, right. that's invaluable experience. Yeah. I got my ass kicked. <laughs> and I really believe that you have to get out there and, and experience that and schlep your own drums, set them up, tear them down within an hour, yeah. perform to your utmost because it's all part of the process of growing and building and building your character and building who you are your voice of who you are as a musician you know you, you could sit in your bedroom all day long and make videos and shred and all that that's cool yeah but that's all it is try that in a band situation try that in a situation where someone calls you for an actual gig where they're going to actually actually pay you money Maybe a shitload of it. Can I cuss? Yeah, cuss all you want. This all is right. me. <laughs> Total freedom. Total freedom. <clears throat> okay. A shitload of money. There, I said it. Shit. <laughs> I mean, shit's not even a bad word. Shit's well, a sh you know what? Speaking of shit, <laughs> I, have to, I have to say this, man. This is the first time I've seen you and probably the first time you've seen me in like street clothes, right? We were always at yeah, the I gym. Yeah, I in the gym every freak. Actually, seeing you in the gym is, I, I think I've told this story on the podcast already, but seeing you in the gym, that talk we had that one morning is why I started this podcast. Wow. You inspired it because I remember I was uh, at that at that point in my life I was very lost I was very confused I walked away from what I was doing for work and I remember I was hanging out with my friends the night before yeah. and my buddies I got a guy that a buddy <clears throat> my best friends one's an ex marine who you know was getting a job in private security and you know that realm of the world really great guy the other one is a sci-fi writer and awesome. you know Dungeons and Dragons player yeah, like yeah. all that awesome stuff and an incredible writer. And, you know, I have all these different people. Some of them went to college. Some of them have degrees. Some of them are, have careers. And then there's me. Like, we bond on a friendship level. We can have fun. But I have noticed myself over the last few weeks of uh, of all that. 
I got quieter and quieter and quieter in conversations, and I felt more excluded. And that you had be- nothing to offer. Because, yeah, because I had nothing to offer and nothing to say, and I've started to – I was confused by it. And then I walk into the gym that next morning, and there you are sitting on the bike, and you asked me a question about social media, and we started talking about music for like 15 minutes. Yeah. And to be in the gym and talk for 15 minutes, like, it's got to be something good, right? Yeah, for you, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like, I'm doing weights. Don't bother me. I remember walking away from that conversation and feeling like a new life. I felt so much like myself, and I felt so inspired and so just filled up. Oh, and I was cool. like, what is that feeling? Cool, I realized yeah. that I'm not surrounding myself with musicians. And something that you've consistently promoted – through just speaking to me is a community of musicians. Yeah. And that, you know, I was like, there has to be a community. There has to be an outlet where every type of musician, whether they're sitting in their bedroom playing an acoustic guitar, whether they're like you touring the world and playing with big bands and doing it, you know, at the top level and everything in between, there's got to be a place for all of us to meet. And right. so we can understand that when we do jam, when we do play together, it's, it makes a difference. Right, right. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to start this. I'm going to invite all the guys I know, anybody that wants to come on that's a musician, even a fan, in the industry, out of the industry, yeah, anything yeah. to say because it's so important that it gets out now. Yeah, and it, and, and it is a thing of art. What we do is art and it's creativity. And the more we can keep it on that side of the line, then it becomes a balanced thing of commerce because we all got to make money. Yeah, It all has to sell. All We all have to make our download money and streaming and all that but then there also has to be a creative element to it um as well equally yeah because if it's all just to make dough then what's the purpose of even getting into music because then you're not doing music to enjoy it or to create you're doing it to make money and it's like that's the wrong approach yeah that's completely the wrong approach because fame and fortune i swear to god man I've seen them shoot to the stars, to the moon, and just crash to the ground. Yeah. And uh, the approach was, yeah, I want to get rich, I want to get famous, I want to get chicks, I want to get dudes, whatever, and I want want it all, and I need it now. And, And some are so driven that that happens, but as quickly as they shot up in popularity and stardom and money and all that stuff, as as quickly as that happened, yeah. it quickly shut down and came crashing. And then they come back on wounded knees saying, yeah, you know, I shouldn't have done that and I, I want to start over again and I realize my creative voice is more important than anything else. And So you've been surrounded by that. You've, you've been oh in that. God. You've seen these people from beginning to end. Yeah. You know, I won't mention any names, but man. Well, no, of course not. But I mean, this is, I mean, this is a very important perspective because not all of us have that experience. You know, you got to firsthand watch it happen and see the details of it. What do you think? um, Obviously, like it can get to your head and you think you're a god and whatnot. Hell yeah. But is there anything specific about it that you could share that was, that was like a pinnacle or a breaking point for someone? Like you saw something happen, like that's what really took them down. It wasn't the fame and the fortune that got them to a place where they experienced this thing. I, I could I could so easily answer that with a very simple answer. Saying yes when you mean no and saying no when you mean yes. Wow. And, you know, for example, Michael Jackson probably had a lot of people around him saying yes when they should have been saying no. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And, and, and um, you know, people like that that just have – that wield so much power. They need an equalizer, just someone to say, no, man, don't swallow that. Don't ingest that. Don't drink that. Don't yeah. – you, you've had enough. You can stop. You know, and, I, and of course, I'm making a drug and drinking reference because musicians are known as that. But it could be anything. It's like, okay, you're – You've been in Vegas now for a month, and you've you've dwindled away ten million dollars at the poker table. Yeah. You know it could be any of those things, and um, it's just important to be grounded all the time and to and to have, like you were saying, you know, being surrounded by musicians, but being surrounded by people that are that are going to uplift you, that are always going to pump you up as you them. And keep you spirited and keep you honest and keep you... Without lying to you. Without lying to you. Because <clears throat> it's easy to make you feel... Yeah. Make someone feel great no, by lying. No, that chord sucked. Yeah. Play that other chord that you played before. That's better. Okay. 
See, I love that attitude because I mean, you know me. I'm very, I'm very aggressive. I'm very yeah. like, I don't want to waste time. If you suck, I will tell you. If I don't yeah. like that, I will tell you. Yeah. If I, you know, I don't want you to bullshit me. Right. And uh, a lot of that thick skin in the music world, especially, is is fading away. I have yeah. a lot of musicians that I meet, and a lot of not even musicians, but even the producers, even the the managers, the the whole inside and out is everything is so delicate because it's like you can see everyone's trying to please each other so that in the long run they might get something out of you. <sighs> That's and it's the like, wrong. The moment someone comes to me and like I sense that, I just I, I don't care who they are. They can yeah. be the biggest and the best and take me to the top. I'm not interested. I have no interest. Well, in that. yeah, I mean it has nothing to do with honesty. Then it's just you know everyone's doing a reach around, you know, and it's like yeah, no man, we're we need to make we need to make quality music. We need to make quality um, experiences and 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 creativity and and. And the money will come, yeah. if if that's even what you want to do. I mean, I know musicians where I've played on their record, and it's like, hey man, what are you going to do with this incredible record? Nothing. I'll just sell it at my live gigs. I just wanted something to have. And I'm like, wow, this could be, you know. And then yeah. I go into Hollywood mode of, oh my god, this could be a big seller, blah blah blah. And it's yeah. like, wait a minute, I respect you because you're doing this. You're doing this about the music. Yeah. And if someone came along, that could actually help you. And, you know, uh, springboard it, yeah. you to the top, then all, by all means, go for it. But if this is where you're comfortable, if this is your com- your comfort zone, go for it. I think that's an important statement too because <clears throat> to create music so honestly is the most important thing. But secondly, you it's, it's <clears throat> kind of difficult to accept music people that create music and keep it to themselves. You know, it, yeah. you don't have to necessarily put it on Spotify to stream. You don't have to get a record label and distribute a million copies. You don't have to do all this stuff. If you want, like you said, take an album, make a quick one, sell it at your gigs, you're sharing your music. And that is – that's the most honest thing to me. Right. To be able to – one, live performing is the most honest thing because there's, no, right. there's no way around that. And there's no turning back after that. There's that. just no hesitation. It's wild. It's it's yeah. the most alive you'll ever feel. Yeah, and you fuck up that one chord, it's gone. It yeah, already it's went by like that. And Done. it's like you got to move on. And I see so many young musicians, they, they fuck up, and they can't get out of it. Yeah. It's like, no, 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 move on. Let You're doing go. fine. You're doing fine. And then the whole rest of the song becomes shite because it's like they hung on to that mistake. And like, what like, did I do? It's like, no, man. That's part of the experience. Yeah. I love it when there's mistakes happening on stage because that's a real-time situation happening. And it's, you know... <clears throat> Especially if like the musician or the artist is really good, like they obviously are good at what they yeah. do. Yeah, they're not messing up because they're not good enough. They're messing right. up. Chances are because they're super into it and they forgot to pay attention to something because they were distracted by something right. they're experiencing. Right, like that is a huge part of yeah. the experience. Yeah, and I, and I love the novice musician that gets up there on stage and they're flubbing. It's like, oh my god, they're but they have the balls to keep going. The like those balls, are the like best. steel. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it's like, oh my god, and I they get a standing ovation for me because it's like, man, you had the courage to stand up there and give yourself mistakes and all, but I got you. Yeah. I heard you. I saw you. I know who you are. Yeah. And and that will only get better in time. And, and I'll be buying your record, man, because you're, you're giving honesty. You're giving away your, the your true experience. artistry. Yeah. Authentic, yeah. authentic experience. Yeah. That's incredible. I love that. Yeah. I love hearing that. And I love the, I love this idea of sharing. Like you have to, as honest and create as honest as the creativity has to be, the sharing aspect is is, is it's paramount. almost it's yeah. it's a necessity. It's Absolutely, your, it's our responsibility. If you have the ability and the talent or the gift or whatever to play music of some sort on any instrument on yeah. any type of music, if you can send out physical vibration like that, if you can inspire even one yeah. person, it is your responsibility yeah. to share that. And it's yeah. great because we live in a world where streaming, like maybe money-wise, it's hard to make money on streaming and whatnot. But if you take all the money and industry and the business outside of music and you just think about it, the ability to send that around the world to all people is just tremendous. Yeah. It's at its top form. Right. And to create and not to share that is almost a crime. Right. There's a wonderful saying uh, in a religious, spiritual sense, and, and, and it's, it goes something like this. When two or more are gathered, that's church. And I always think of that. It's like, okay, if I'm performing, if I'm doing like a bongo solo or something, and yeah. there's two people out there, okay, 
I got church. We got music church. Oh, yeah. Two people are paying attention. I'm disseminating the information. Hopefully the information attracts other people in the room yeah. to start listening. So, you know, it's like music is church. Music is a sacred thing, you know, and, and, and each and every one of us are all different. And that's, a, that's what's really cool about social media is seeing all these musicians and they're all different. Um, with the exception of the gospel chop drumming thing gospel it's chop. like yeah it's like gospel chops are just like it's just like an infectious disease now but i don't know if i'm familiar with yeah, the gospel chop yeah oh yeah when you're <laughs> done with this just google gospel chops and watch an hour of that and you'll call me later and go oh my god <laughs> what did okay. you do to me <laughs> no it's awesome it's awesome it's awesome it's awesome it's awesome but it, you know it, it permeated the drum world so much that that it it brought new players to the table with just that vision and it's like wait a minute there's other types of music there's there's metal there's latin there's funk there's you know hip-hop there's whatever i mean but yeah anyway you gotta get get more greg bissonnette is what you're saying (laughs) yeah that more 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 everything just everything because it's all out there now man yeah god if i had this when i was a kid the internet yeah oh my god maybe i would be out of the music industry who knows well see that's the thing it's you know we are like my generation not necessarily in the first years i mean i'm 25 now 24 25 and you know the internet came about really the social media came about when i was you know middle school high school wow you know and i'd already been playing guitar for a lot of years i've already you know made the choice up this is what i'm going to do whatnot and the generations after me, after me, you know, the younger kids that are in their that are teenagers now had the had the social media concept since they were born, and it's so easy to get that fulfillment of being around other musicians. Uh-huh. I think what's happening is they think they can do all this stuff from their room and uh, you know make it and whatnot, but when it comes time to show up, be on stage, when it comes time to be authentic, when it comes time to sit down with someone like you and have a conversation, like those things are almost gone. You know, they're almost yeah. gone in a sense. Yeah. And it's, I wonder because I, I don't, I don't think it's necessarily the end of that. I think maybe we're in a transition that there's going to be a new way of musicians meeting. Uh, as long as we don't get starved out in the world, as long as musicians don't give up on each other. Right. I think we're going to enter a new way, whether it's like the, the virtual reality, maybe we're all oh, going to put coming. out a virtual reality <laughs> and we're all going to have a jam session. But, you know, I don't think there's anything that will happen in the world that will last long enough to diminish the idea of musicians spending time together right and i think we're seeing the bad side of not spending time together yeah we're in a transition period for sure you know you know with holograms coming into play yeah that's nuts that's crazy still yeah i mean thinking past that it's like okay that could be a cool thing where we hologram each other and we do virtual jamming together in real time but i'm in my bathrobe at home (laughs) but there I am with, you know, I don't know, like a suit on or whatever yeah. behind the drums, jamming with you, and and I'm able to, I'm able to, um, to jam, as a hologram, somewhere anywhere in the world. Yeah, you know, and and it's 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 got to happen. I mean, our technology is moving very quickly. I hope so. I mean, I yeah. I hope that it it's used for beneficial <clears throat> reasons like that. Right. You right. Know? I hope that uh, people step out of their bedrooms and you know, go play those gigs. And you, you talked about having like, one, you know, two people in the audience or one person. I remember I played a, a gig at the Mint in LA a yeah. long time ago. Um, and it was a really bad time. It was like a Sunday night at like fucking like 10 p.m. No one goes out to the bar yeah. at yeah, Sunday night. No, no one goes out in LA. So I went and like I had like four people there for me, like family members yeah. and you know, whatnot. And they kind of sat to the side and they watched me the whole time. It was only a half hour set. Right. But I remember there was like 10 guys at the bar. And there's just empty space between us. There was probably like 40 feet of just empty space. Yeah. And they, not one of them turned their head. They were all laughing and cheering. And like, it was almost like my, I was, I was in their way, you know, right. as I was on stage. And I remember feeling just totally lost in what I was doing. Yeah. And I noticed this figure like in the back in the booth, like I couldn't even make it out. I just saw big curly hair. Yeah. And I saw the head and I like, I looked over, I couldn't see her face, but I just knew that she was looking. I right. knew that this person was listening. And 
I remember I played the next song and I messed up the next song, like to the point where I started the intro and I couldn't remember the rest of the song. I did the intro like three times and I'm like on stage, like what the hell's happening? I remember I looked over at this person and felt like someone's listening, someone's here and watching me right. and immediately just pulled out a different song. Had a great, like I only had three more songs left, but man, the power yeah. of that was incredible. Yeah. And imagine that's, that's someone watching you. Imagine right. like... For those people that don't jam out there, imagine that feeling, but with another musician that can give it back. Right. That right. can give you that energy back. Right. I and mean, that's just like fucking fuel. Yeah, right and that's there. that's what it's all about right there. And you know, always think of it as this if there's no one there at your gig and you're playing, think of it as a paid rehearsal with your band or paid. by yourself. <laughs> if it pays, but if they give you free beer or free water or whatever. Yeah. Hey man, you're there performing, getting free water. Think of it as a rehearsal. Okay, yeah, I kind of messed up that chorus there. Okay, I'll remember next time. So it's, and it's practice. Yeah. And you will play a gajillion gigs like that until that one. Yeah. Everyone's paying attention, where everyone is buying your CD and, well, that sounds old. When everyone's, when everyone's (laughs) streaming streaming you, streaming you, and yeah. It's funny, I, I remember I played the baked potato, it was my second time playing the baked potato, and I think I brought like 70 people that night, because the baked potato was a big deal for me, it's a yeah. big deal for anyone, Right. Um, and I had like 70 people in the crowd that night, and it was a great show, everyone listened. 70, was, that's like packed. Oh yeah, I packed the place, I promoted nice. the shit out of that damn show, um, and it was an incredible show, and then literally a week later, I had a show at this place called Silver Lake Lounge. No one was there. And when I say this was a dive bar, imagine you walk in, it's just black sticky floors, black walls yeah. one bar on the side with cheap alcohol yeah. and a stage that a four-year-old could have built with like a glamour shot background yeah on the stage i right. walk in and no one was there not a wow. soul the bartender wasn't even there i'm kind of standing in this empty room and i have a gig and like i prepared like a 45 minute set and so by the time i get on stage there was like three people for me and there was a person in the back at the bar and i was watching them watch a football game the entire time i played this set yeah, and I, I remember even cutting the set short. I was like, "I'm just gonna go home. This is ridiculous." I drove all the way yeah. down here, and a week before this, I had 70 people at the baked potato, oh, yeah. the most legendary That's club. Normal. And like that was one of the biggest lessons I had learned. Yeah, was people may show up for one gig, but don't expect it ever yeah. to happen like that again. Yeah, I'll give two words of advice here about that. First of all, it's L.A. You know, been there, done that, seen it. You could turn on TV and see whoever, whatever. You could walk down Sunset or Santa Monica Boulevard and see some amazing musician or actor or whatever. Yeah. You know. But when there's no one at the gig, again, it's 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 a paid or non-paid rehearsal. So think of it that way. And, you know, L- L.A. is synonymous with entertainment. And so you're there to entertain. And those people that want to hear it will come out and support. And if they don't, then... That's that. That's that. But but here's the thing. I always invite people that are non-musicians because they're the ones that love and support music. Yeah. My drummer friends, they don't show up. And that's fine. I understand. And I have a shitload of drummer friends and guitar player friends and keyboard yeah. player friends. And it's like they don't show up because either they're at a gig or they don't want to come out. So it's like, okay, I'm going to start inviting my next-door neighbor, my gardener, my... You know, the people that always ask, hey, are you gigging? Are you doing yeah. anything? Those are the people that will come out and support. And sure enough, you know, our neighbors next door, you know, they're retired, but they love music. Man, they came out in droves. They brought all their friends. They ordered dinner. They ordered drinks. And it was yeah. like awesome. And they're like, man, let us know. Anytime you're playing, we'll always come. And, you know, that's that's, that's what the fan base. Yeah, that's that's the fan base. And, uh, you know, for those... For those out there that are listening to this and that are frustrated, like, man, no one's coming to my gigs, don't invite other musicians. Invite other, the other people, the commoners. <laughs> yeah, no, well, and, it's, and it's as we, I feel like it's easy for us to get in the state of mind saying like, oh, I can't get anyone to come, I get anyone to come, but it's like you just can't get the people that you want to come. You know, there's still a lot of people that will come that want to hear new music, that want to hear you or want to support you or just be there for live music. Like, I remember I, I booked a gig with the House of Blues in Anaheim. I had played like once a month for like a year. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and it was going really well. And I remember when I, it's it's a pretty far drive from where oh, we hell are. Yeah. It's like an hour and a half from yeah. where we are. It's like going to Disneyland every day. And every, a lot of, a lot yeah. of like my close friends, like they showed up to the first one, but then like as the year went on, like less 
my my people started to stop showing yeah. up. Yeah. And I started reaching out to like friends of friends and friends of friends of friends, you know, like that. And I, I got a lot of this response. It was like, oh, live music? I don't know where to go to see live music. You're playing, there's live music, there's other bands. I'd love to be a part of that. Yeah. And they show up and you can see like, one, they appreciate me and they, you know, they support me and right. they're there for that, which is great. But you start to get people in the audience that like if your music's good, they're going to listen to you and they're going to follow you because it's good, because yeah. they're there for the experience. So, I mean, I think that's a that's a good point. That's a good point. There's always a crowd that will come see you. There's always someone that wants to hear you. Right. You just can't get stubborn and stuck on the people that you insist on coming. Right. And right. that's 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 a, good advice. Yeah. Thank you. Thank well, you for sharing hey, that. Man. That's, but, that's uh, why I'm I wanna, here. I want to talk about you a little bit. A little bit. You're, All right, let's do it. You're famous. You're Kirk Mascara. You're Kirky B. I'm just here with you. You're an incredible. Yeah. I mean, who? Well, all right. I know there's like an insane resume for you with the people you played with, recorded with, toured with. Right off the top of your head, who? What was the best tour and with who? Oh God! I mean, they're all fun and they're all great. But you know, playing with Elton John was amazing. Oh, I love Tom John. Petty. Tom Petty, really? Yeah. Um, gosh. Uh, you know, I've toured a lot in Europe with uh, both. French and Italian artists, Eros Ramazzotti, Laura Passini, uh, Johnny Halliday, Michel Ponareff, um, uh, Veronique Sanson. Um, so touring over there, you know, playing in front of 130,000 people, stadium, oh, sold out eight nights. That's pretty awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, touring is, is one thing, but... I could say I got the same chills up my spine when I recorded with Tina Turner, you know, oh, or, or recorded with Bonnie Raitt or recorded oh. with, uh, you know, uh, Johnny Cash, you know. Do you ever get, you record with Johnny Cash? Yeah. Damn, man. I see you in the gym every morning. I'm like, hey, there's Kurt. Yeah, you know, just, just that dude. Just that dude. He's legendary. <laughs> what, did you ever get, like, nervous? Did you ever feel like nerves being er, in the studio? Early on in my career, you know, when I first started doing sessions, it was nerve-wracking. But, you know, you get used to that red light going on and you get used to the pressure of an orchestra and a conductor and a producer and the, the engineers and the music supervisors and all that being there at the same time. And it's like, no, 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 man, I'm here for a reason. Yeah. You called me because you know I'm going to give you the shit. Yeah. You know I'm going to give you exactly what you want and even more. And I'm not saying that out of ego. I'm no, saying that's that a out of attitude. I love that attitude. I'm saying that out of, of course, I'm your call. This is what you wanted. Yeah. If you don't want me, call somebody else, and I'll I'll be the first to tell the producer. If he's like, yeah, you know, can you make it more like Jim Keltner or me? I'll be like, Shh, I'll even do you one better. I'll call him. Yeah. And he'll be here in an hour, and yeah. I could go home. I could put my robe on and go scratch my nuts. <laughs> And watch TV. Yeah, don't you waste know? don't waste my time the same way I'm not gonna waste right, your time. Right. Right, exactly. And I'll be the first I'll be the first to, to say that because like you said, I don't want to waste your time and nor should anyone's time be wasted, especially mine. I drove yeah. all the way out here, had my drum schlepped over here and you know, it's like Oh dude, Jimmy Page. <laughs> the poster, yeah. You heard that amp over at LA Vintage. Oh yeah, Gear, that right? was incredible. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, sorry, I saw. Yeah, that's a whole other. That's a that's a whole other podcast. I'm looking at that <laughs> Jimmy Page poster in your studio. Anyway, <clears throat> yeah, you know, I, um, yeah, being nervous that 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 comes with the territory, you know. But at, when you do it a lot, like I have, it just becomes second nature, and you actually look forward to being part of that energy and that community and in that energetic space. During that time, you know. So do you? So do you still have? Uh, would you say at least? Do you still have the same passion and love as you did the first time you walked into a studio and played with a big band as you do now? Oh God, yeah. It yeah. just gets better. It just stays the same because it feels like home. It's like it doesn't oh. feel like work. No, it feels like I'm here to make some music with some amazing musicians and engineers and producers. That's and that that's and you know when I walk into Capitol Records or. The Village or Ocean Way or, um, you know, any amazing studio here in Los Angeles and I'm there to do what I do. It's like, it's just, I look forward to it. And, it, and you know, I used to do it two, three times a day back in the 90s when there were record labels and there were budgets. 
but now it's few and far between. Yeah. But when I do, it's still that excited feeling I get of Ooh, that's incredible, man. I'm, I'm so driving to, to hear that. yeah, I'm driving to the studio to go make a record. I read an article with Steven Tyler a few years ago. I forgot what magazine, somewhere in the studio. But I, I saved it because he talks about something similar. He says, uh, "I never, I, I can't relate. I can't understand how guys can go on stage and play the same song after like 30 years of playing it and just be dead on stage." And he's like, you wrote the song. like, And he made a comment of, he's like, I've been playing this, I've probably said I played the same songs a thousand, thousands of times. And he's like, there's never a night where I step on stage and don't give everything I've gotten love and passionate about the words I'm singing, about the song I'm playing, this and yeah. that. And, and there has to be, I don't know, I just feel like, I, and I, I'm not old enough to make this statement, of course, but I, I don't see how it could get boring, how you could just give in to, it's and being meaningless like every time like yeah i get paid to do this one thing and i'm doing the same thing night after night but it's like that's on you if you're doing the same thing night after night that's on you it's your job to entertain rule number 1 and to go on and not be passionate about it so i mean i that's on the stage world here the studio world i feel imagine that's even more closed off like being in a studio doing the drums like to have that passion is i feel like that's a feat in itself it it is you know because you're 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 trying to capture what the artist wants in their music and capturing that lightning and putting it in a bottle and uh you're there to serve the music and um that's one thing great about the studio is that you can achieve it you know in 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 an amazing amount of ways to achieve what it is that you're looking for or what you want to hear whereas live it's you get that one shot top to bottom yeah but it's kind of related you yeah know? no I, I agree do you think you uh you'd feel differently if you started a band and were in that same band for 30 years do you think you'd get bored with that you know i i think uh to a degree you know because it's obviously those same songs but if you're the creator of those songs you have the uh you have you have the choice to to change them up a bit yeah you know when you go see a band and they change it up a bit and they, you know it's always fun do, yeah or they do like an acoustic version of it or something. It's like, oh, that was kind of cool. Or well, that guitar player kind of goes off and not the recorded solo. Just right. uses his mind. Singer does a bridge. You know. <clears throat> right, right. And, and I, I personally love those kind of things. I, I care less when I hear bands perform live and it sounds like the record. It's like, oh, I got the record already. I got the recordings of that. Fucking go off. Do something else. You know, do yeah. that song faster or slower. Or yeah. Do a do a you know, drum and bass version of it or whatever. Just, yeah. you know, because I, I, I'm there to see the musicianship and hear the musicianship of the of the band. And experience what they want. I mean, yeah. experience. And that's what kind of sucks about bands these days is like everyone's playing to a track. And it's like, man, yeah. no, man, play live. I want to hear the that. drummer. I want to hear the drummer speed up and slow down. Yeah. Be a human. I want to hear him hit things. I want to hear. Yeah, I want to hear mistakes. I want to hear humanity. I love that. I want to hear humanity. That's that's a good way to put it. That's a good perspective. Good well, I mean, it. I like it's it. like again, the machines and you know, the the downloads, it's like, okay, I got that. I know what that sounds like in its perfect way. Now perform it as humans and let's hear it. Yeah. You know. That's rock and roll right there. <laughs> Not it's rock and roll, it's everything. It's like being in the moment and sharing, you know. Yeah. It's you're hearing That's the, live music. Yeah, that's live music. You're hearing their <laughs> their take on it you know so for you when you were starting out after mi and whatnot was there a gig that you got whether it was studio or touring was there a gig that was like the breaking point where it's like now i'm like that shot you to the top of you know getting better gigs was there a specific one you could point out um well yeah there was a gig you know you know from 1985 to 90 i played with morris and you know in between i was uh touring with a bunch of other funk and r&b acts and um and in 1990, I wanted to expand because not only did I play funk and R&B, but you know I came up listening to Zeppelin and yeah. James Brown and and, and yeah. um, you know um, Three Dog Night, you know Grand Funk Railroad, you know so all these different types of bands. So I wanted to explore more of my rock side, and I got a tour touring with Belinda Carlisle, the lead singer of the Go Go's, oh, wow. and so that kind of uh, segued me into more of the rock world okay. and simultaneously when that was happening I did my first recording 
that started my session career with uh, Bonnie Raitt on the Luck of the Draw record. Wow. So Bonnie Raitt recorded, that was the studio, uh, the doorway. Yeah, that was, that was the doorway into the studio world. And from wow, there, man. from that point, then I was uh, taken under the wing of the great, the late, great Jeff Picaro from Toto. And uh, he took me under his wing and um, my studio life changed shortly thereafter. He started making phone calls and recommending me. Universe wanted you to be a drummer. Yeah. Clearly. Yeah. I kind of have no, no choice in the matter. Well, that's, that's so that was awesome. my choice in the matter. Of course, but, but it was but, a powerful one. Yeah, and I, I'm just grateful to be doing it still and enjoying it. So to make it this far, still be successful, and it's just getting better. I mean, I love all your stuff. I love you're the groove master. Um, what would you say is uh, the most important part to being a successful drummer in the industry? Is it like techniques, attitude, like what? It's everything, you know. I, I could say this for touring. A, a dear friend of mine who's who's a tour manager said, he said this, it's the other 22 hours of the day that matter. The two hours that you're, that you're on stage, that's a given. You're doing, you already know the set. You already know what songs to play. The set list is there. You play it down. It's awesome. Yeah. Do a great show. People are cheering, blah, blah, blah. But it's the other 22 hours, traveling on the bus, checking in and out of hotels, being on time, staying healthy, not getting sick. Yeah. Um, just the multitude of things. Um, um, getting along with the rest of the band members, the crew members, the and you start thinking of it that way. It's like, oh, I'm not just a drummer or a guitar player. I gotta freaking be a good human being out here and supportive and a team player because it is one big family when you go on tour. Yeah. And. Uh, and the same thing goes for, you know, staying home and being a studio guy. You know, you got to keep up on your reading chops, technique, uh, your styles, because you never know who's going to call. Yeah. You know, I could get a call later today after this interview, and they'll say, hey, man, we need you to come in at five today. We're doing a Latin rock record. You know, you're going to play on Santana's new record that's coming out. Okay, cool. You have I to know. be able to show up and do that. Yeah, you got to be able to show up and know Latin rock. Or, you know, uh, I don't know, Celine Dion could call and say, yeah, you know, she's doing a ballad. So, all right, what does that mean? Oh, I got to bring my mallets just in case if I got to do a cymbal swell or, you know, and I got to not drink coffee before I go because it's going to be a slow song. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to rush. So, so yeah. So there's... technique and know your know your know your place and know what you're doing, what your job yeah, is. Yeah, and, and, and it's fitting in, you know, and you don't know, especially in the studio world, you don't, you don't know what musicians are going to show up there. You know, it could be musicians that you've made a shitload of records with, or it could be musicians that are brand new to the scene or have been in the scene for the, for a short period of time and they're killing it and they're out there and, and it's a new experience for you and for them. And then it's just finding that common ground musically. Yeah. Again, this, this circles back around to what we were talking about 20 minutes ago of live music, sharing, collaborating, collaborating, that, yeah. you know, so that's what it's about. You're an incredibly wise musician, wise man. This is, oh, man. this is, dude, cool, if I was man. a wise man, I'd be like owning this house. <laughs> it's a badass house. No, this is great, man. I've, you know, I've known you for a few years now. It's been, it's been, it's really awesome to sit down and get this wisdom. You have a, I hope, I hope there's a lot of people that, or listening to this yeah. and taking what you have to say for well, you know, yeah. I mean, you could take what I say and say, ah, he doesn't know what he's talking about. That I totally respect that. It's a it's a free world. It's a free country. It's you know free thought, free speech. But these are just my experiences, and these experiences have not only come to fruition many many times, but it's kind of the stepping stones to I don't know navigating your way through music yeah. through this industry which is constantly changing if you asked me 10 15 20 years ago if i'd be sitting here with you i'd be like no podcast, podcast internet you know yeah doing sessions by myself no way you know but here we are at the time yeah. yeah so before we go what is it not just as a drummer but as a human being as with the experience that you have as a musician, as a creative type, if you knew that, you know, 
your career or life or whatever was coming to an end within the next few days, what is the one thing you'd want to pass on to the younger generation of musicians? Or what's something, not one thing, obviously, but something that is important to you? Just be fearless. Be be your authentic self. Um, don't be something that someone else is telling you to be. You know, find your voice, find your personality, find your music, find your passion, your creation, find find out who it is that you truly are and put that out there. And there will be a lot of people that will love it and a lot of people that will hate it. But don't pay attention to the haters. Pay attention to what you're doing. Pay attention to those who are willing to support and yeah. love you and are willing to give you the um, the courage to make to make and take the next step. Um, I, I, you know, that's that's truly what it's about because it is. It's music, you know. And people forget, man. It's not about, you know, it's not about a look or a vibe or how many tats you got on your face or none of that man it's all about the true genuine article of music and what you're putting out and there, and again people love it or people hate it but if it's if it's genuine i you know there's a lot of stuff i don't like out there you know but i like it because it's like whoa this is real super real and super genuine yeah i'm down i am so down with people that are original and you know, find your voice again. Originality. That's 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 what I would say. Be original. That's amazing. You're such a good dude, man. You're such no, a good. Dude, it's just... it's such a pleasure to sit down with you, someone that's been in the industry and toured and played the 130,000 people stadiums and you know been on these great words, great records and big records and to still have such a beautiful perspective and beautiful attitude and it's this has been nothing short of a pleasure and an honor. Oh so. man, thank you. You know I'm. I have much gratitude for what I do and I'm so thankful and you know I I treat every day as as my first day of of doing it you know I yeah. just love what I do you know I you know that saying if you find something you love you'll never work a day in your life yeah you're and living that's, proof yeah and it's like I haven't worked in over 30 years you know I've just been playing drums that's know. that's incredible. Yeah, how cool what is that to say? That yeah, is, man, I play drums. That's you know? a heavy <laughs> statement. That's a that's a big statement. Not everyone can say that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and I I could say that with with pride and with 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 a lot of like, yeah, you know, I could pat myself in the back and say, yeah, I made a living playing drums. That's you know? so cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool, man. I I love what I do. So well, it's been an honor having you on. I hope to have you on again soon. Sometime yeah. And talk about some other stuff. Yeah, man, we'll talk more, about anything. Yeah. More of your brain. I want to pick. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I'll pick your brain about how to do deadlifts <laughs> and proper curls. So I don't, I don't hurt know my if that arms. would fit on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Right. We'll have to start a different one after that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for coming to the studio corner. Kurt yeah. Mascara. What up? See you soon.